Are you ready to get into the Word of God? Isaiah 43. We're going to begin here. Even though this is like a standalone message for the last two weeks, we've been talking about, uh, you know, making it into our place, getting into things with God, you know, times of transition. But really, it's just been in, in my heart about moving up and moving into greater places in God. And that can look so different from one individual to another. And it can be specific to a place, too. A church or, you know, a country, you know, can find prosperity and, and then it affects all the people of that country. Or a church can uh, see some changes and stuff start happening and then it, it, it kind of flows into people. And isn't it true in a household, somebody gets a promotion or, or enters into a position that will lead them somewhere, and that has a trickle-down effect on, on the whole house. Even a relationship, you know, uh, you know, somebody who doesn't know God, all of a sudden they come to know God, they enter into this new relationship. I mean, you know, that can trickle down in a great way in a family. Sometimes it doesn't always look good. You know what I mean? But it is good. Because people who are kind of doing their own thing, doing their party thing or whatever, all of a sudden you got somebody who was all that and is no longer that, that can be a challenge. You know what I mean? Here they got their whatever in their hand and partying, and here you are like, yeah, I got changed. That can be challenging. But how many of you know challenges are not always bad? Sometimes when challenges come to us, we shouldn't run from them. (laughs) That's important. Because the unknown can be a challenge. The future can be a challenge. But it doesn't mean it's bad. You with me? There can be tremendous things awaiting. but, But sometimes in, not in the God sense, but just in the way of the world, uh, some change can be uncomfortable. Uh, You know, people like the, hey, I'm getting a new position. I'm going to be a boss. But how many of you know that can come with a challenge? You know, it's not like, you know, I'm just going to be that. Uh, How many of you know there can be some like, uh, and, and like, you know, or any type of provision, you know, Uh, When you enter in and start entering in, there can be challenges. There can be, and here's the thing. Uh, It's not, it's God's way to promote and to bless and to help. It's the enemy's way to oppress and keep people down. So he'll even challenge you as you enter in. Don't do that. You, no way, Stop it. <laughs> you know, what are you, what are you thinking? You're comfortable right where you are. But you've been praying. You've been believing. You've been growing. You've been learning things at work, learning things, you know, in, in life and service to God, and you're going to move into something. How many of you know that it's not without challenge always? I wish it was. You know, it's just, woo! But how many realize the prototype who is God in the flesh, Jesus, that's how he got promoted. You know, when God, and and here's the thing about promotion, God can be behind it in every realm, relationship-wise, ministry-wise, job-wise, but it doesn't mean it comes without opposition. Even though God 
was in it with Jesus. How many of you know the first thing that happened to him as he got anointed with the Spirit was they threw a party, they got hats with the little woo things, you know, handed out cupcakes and everything, congratulations, your new ministry. No, he was led by the Spirit. Everybody's like, yeah, led by the Spirit. And the devil tempted him for 40 days. But how many of you know on the other side of that little short time of pressure was going to be something that was going to change the world? So when we recognize pressure, but at the same time we might be thinking, hey, there's something coming ahead. Know the source of the pressure. Know the thing that's trying to get you to stay where you're at and not move forward. Or to move. I, I don't want this, I'm just, just, just going to move out to the side. <laughs> you know, there's pressure, I'm not going to sit here, I'm just going to move to the side and, and, and uh, just stay where I am. How many of you know our heart longs for what God has for us? And satisfaction is there. And job promotions, becoming a boss, becoming an owner, whatever it is, making investments, ministry stuff, relationships, all that God wants to be enhanced. But realize anywhere where you go to possess something in God, there sometimes needs just to be a, a push. And a, I'm just going to keep moving. And how many of you know when you push into something, uh, you find, oh, it, it was worth what I pushed for. Because we've all been there, you know, our first job. You know, my first job. I remember I was a, a liquid transfer specialist. Um, basically, I would put soda in a cup and ice and then give it to a customer. Sounds a lot better the other way, though. So I worked at a burger place. You know, I was underage. They gave me an opportunity. You know, we made all these special names so it looked like we were really doing something. But I remember when they hired me, I was thinking, whoa, this seemed like a pretty monumental thing. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to make burgers and burritos and make change. And I was pretty good at that. And, but, you know, and all this stuff and clean up and break down. And, and uh, you get in there and after a couple of weeks, you're like, hey, I could do this. And, you know, jobs are like that. Your first job or your second and third job. You know, if, they're, if you're moving up, there's always going to be elements of the unknown. But when you are moving up, you have to realize God, God's with me in this and realize I'm never fully equipped. Don't wait till you're fully equipped because you'll never be fully equipped. Thank you for that excitement, but that is good news because you don't want to disqualify yourself. Don't allow thoughts to disqualify you. That's important. We better just read the Bible. <laughs> Isaiah 43, 18, we're talking about enter the new. And, and, and this can be, like I said, in so many different ways with relationships, with whatever it is. You know, entering into a new investment. Hey, I've already entered into other stuff and now I'm able to buy a home. How many of you know your first home can be like, whoa. You know, you get a, a big contract and you're like, I want to read every line. You know, about the fourth or fifth home, you're like, well, where do I sign? 
Is there anything I should know? You, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, now, and, and I've done this, you know, after moving and moving here and moving and buying something here. I, I, I remember after signing, I said, oh, I can pray, pay this off early, right? I already signed it. Probably would have been good to read that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're good. All right. Well, I mean, I don't want to reach over the table and tear it up. Nowadays, it's all like a lot of it's electronic, so you couldn't just tear it up. But how many of you know there are, uh, there are unknowns and different things as we move in to new things that we're, we're just going to have to overcome them? But it doesn't disqualify us and shouldn't stop us. Isaiah 43, verse 18. Different verse than we've read, and reading different ones each week. Notice this, do not remember the former things. Now remember, we talked about as we move into a new thing, new stuff requires new thinking, higher ways of thinking, especially if it's an increased area, increased job, a new relationship beyond a relationship, going into marriage, going into a new place in ministry, another level in service to God. You realize old ways of thinking uh, fit maybe in the area we were at. And in all reality, when we go into new things, God will, before we get there, start increasing us. In other words, our thinking won't work where we're at. But it doesn't maybe altogether fit where we're going, but there are some ways that we just need to forget. And he said, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. You know, the children of Israel, when they were being drawn by God to enter into something new, they kind of goofed up right here. They, they, God said, hey, I'm giving you this. There's a new land for you. They're like, yes. They started taking the steps. And then they were like, oh, you mean we got to go face that giant right there? And there was so much beyond that giant. They said, would God we die in Egypt? They started considering the old. But how many of you realize this is a good thing for people to realize? You know, some relationships, some jobs, some situations uh, are just not always the best. And when we leave those situations behind to move on to something and we're kind of in no man's land in between and we want to move forward, you know, sometimes things can draw you back, even a bad place. Because it seems like human nature to forget some of the bad. And think, well, I'll, I'll go back. You know, like to think, I'll go back to Egypt. They were slaves. They, they were making money, and it was being wasted, and others were spending it, and, and they were not getting ahead. And they were starting to come out of this, and they started considering the old, and they thought, it's better that way. And it really wasn't better. Just realize this, be thoughtful of things that would kind of cloud how the past looked. Remember that party life? Remember how much fun you had? No. No. It, it depraved and drew things out. So you have to remember, God wants to take us further. Be careful of things that would draw you back. So he said, now listen, guys. He said, do not remember the former days. You know, we have the potential not to remember. 
That doesn't mean the past is gone, that it didn't exist. But it's so wild. You know, the Bible said that God will not remember your sins. It didn't say he forgets them. Because God never forgets anything, really. But on purpose, he can just never draw it back up. And if we remind him, oh, I'm sorry I did that, Lord, he won't remember it. He won't draw it back up. So there is the potential for us when thoughts come about the past, just kind of not focus on it. Start looking to something else. And don't remember it even if they come to you. But notice this. Behold, I will do a new thing. Or technically, I am doing a new thing. And it says, now it shall spring forth. It'll, it'll, it'll start coming into being. And shall you not know it? In other words, first God said it's happening. How many know sometimes in our lives we can recognize something's happening and we don't even see it yet? We don't even know it yet. And we recognize, man, there's some positive change somewhere about to happen. We've, every Christian probably has experienced this, and if you haven't, you will. Where you just start knowing, man, something good is about to happen. It can be on a scale that we would look at as maybe small, like we're going to church one morning, we're thinking, wow, something good is going to happen today. And then you leave and went, man, God really spoke to me. He refreshed me. He did something. I got healed. Whatever it is, and, but we knew it before. How many of you know God can do that on any scale from their lower to their above and you can just start knowing change is coming, something good is happening. And he does those things to prepare us because it will do a number of things for us. And we won't get into all that today, but it does something for us. It helps our expectation. It will help our drive. I mean, if you're going to the beach, I mean, we don't have a, we have beaches here, just no water. But let's say, you know, we're in the middle of uh, April or March and we're like, oh, we're going to a, a vacation in Hawaii. How many of you know when you start realizing that, um, if you're thinking, well, I'm going to get my bathing suit out and you're like, man, it only goes up to my thighs. <laughs> but I have a new expectation. I have a sense here. That, uh, you know, vacation's coming soon. And so I'll, I'm going to either get a bigger bathing suit or I'm going to lose weight and this bathing suit is going to fit. Are you with me? And so we have like an expectation about what's coming so it, it will drive us to prepare. Even if, even if the preparing is not, okay, I'm going to lose a couple of pounds to fit into this. It can be, who's going to watch my house when I'm gone? Um, who's going to take care of my pets? You know, uh, or whatever it is. What are we going to do when we're there? And those dreams start giving hope and excitement for something that's up ahead. And they help prepare you for now. That can be that way in ministry. 
Are you with me? And, and one thing about this hope, it can cause you as you're moving, wasn't going to talk about this, but it can, if you're not careful, you have to be careful that you don't become critical in these times. Because as your thinking begins to increase, you'll start spotting things like in ministry that could be changed. And, it, and it's not for us to be critical, it's actually a development in us that will help us when we get to a place to be able to implement things. You're starting to think, see things. You know, that can be true at, on a job. All of a sudden, what you didn't see before, you see, why is this person doing this? And why don't, didn't somebody correct these people and get them here in, or on time? Or, you know, whatever it is. And, and if you're not careful, you can get critical of these people being late. And that's not the time to get critical. Kind of take a step back and go, wait a minute, God is giving me some understanding, some wisdom here. And I'm sensing a change. Maybe this wisdom will be something that will help me in the future. Are you with me? And this can happen on so many levels. That's why we need to keep a good attitude in these processes. Because otherwise I'm going to start seeing things and thinking now I'm a genius and what's everybody's problem? And really it's just a development in me that's causing me to see things like I hadn't seen before. And it's not for me to become critical and think, what's everybody's problem? Look at what I know. It's no, it's, it's I'm developing and I'm coming out of a smaller way of thinking into a bigger way of thinking. And maybe my thinking doesn't fit where I'm going, but it's starting to develop because, see, God can give you wisdom inside and he will and start implementing it and it starts coming forth before you ever get to the next place, but it's in the motion. And so when he said, behold, I do a new thing, now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? In other words, you're, gonna, you're going to know it at some point. You're going to see this come to pass. Isn't that so cool that when God gives a promise, some promises uh, that he gives you don't materialize next Tuesday. And, and like Joseph and has a dream and it was a real God dream and we look back at Joseph's dream and think, what a man. He had this dream and it didn't come to pass for all these years, but it came to pass and it was spectacular. How many of you know through the process it didn't look too spectacular. All my brothers are going to bow down to me. I've seen this. They're like, sure we are. And they sold him into slavery. Take his garment that was so different than his other brothers. They tear it up, put some blood on it, take it back. You know, hey, your son died. The father's grieving. His son didn't die. They sold. Oh, Jojo into slavery. But God was with him. And God moved him up, and then he gets mistreated and all this stuff, and down he goes again, but God's still with him. Up he goes again. How many of you know, if you were an outsider, at some points it looked good, some points it didn't look good. But how many of you know God's dream will come to pass? So we need to be careful how we look at other people, too, when they have a dream. 
because you don't want to sit on one side of it. It's good just to let some things ride and, and realize, okay, if they really had a dream, we don't want to kind of be like they were in the Bible where they weren't sure about the disciples and one of the men had wisdom and said, listen, maybe we should just let them alone, let them do their thing, let them move forward. If this is not of God, it's going to come to naught. But if it is, and we're opposing this, we're going to find out we're not just fighting against them, we're fighting against God. And then they realized it was. But how many of you know Joseph's dream came to pass? And let me make this statement. I said it's Joseph's, but it was God's. And there's a big difference between the two. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness, a way to travel and move where you haven't moved before. And these things can be spiritual, ministry-wise. They can be relationship-wise. They can be work-wise. They can be business-wise. So many ways. And rivers in the desert. How many of those are great right now when it's 116 or 17? But how many of you know areas that seem barren and dry all of a sudden can have a water supply? And how many of you know anywhere there's a water supply where it's real dry, it turns green? There is development. And so we're going to talk about, real quick here, about entering in. One thing that we need to know about entering into new things, and I mentioned it before, is we're never going to be fully equipped. I think that's so important for people to know as God moves us into places. How many of you realize, even from a natural standpoint, as somebody looks at employees and they see somebody and they're going to promote them and move them up, they don't always move them into their new place because they're 100% qualified. They just see they have some of the bones, you know, or some of the rawness that would... Uh, help them to move in and then once they're in and so don't don't think oh I'm 100% ready and don't disqualify yourself if you're not but realize if even a natural boss could look and go okay they've got enough that could get them in once they get in we, we can develop the rest of it it'll grow they'll learn how many of you realize that's how the kingdom of God is? You know, the disciples really had a poor view uh, or a, a skewed view of how they thought ministry was going to be and life was going to be. You know, they had served Jesus for three and a half years. They had been trained. And the Lord said, I'm leaving. I'll start crying. They're thinking, wait a minute, we're not ready for this. You know, they thought, well, aren't you just going to set up the kingdom now and you're just going to be with us? And he's basically not, no, I'm leaving. What? But you know, it's so cool. The Lord knew they had at least the bottom amount that would start helping them to be able to make it. And so he said in, in John 16, 22, he said, I still have many things I want to share and teach, teach you guys. But he said, you're not able to hear it right now. In other words, you've got what you need, 
there's definitely more you're going to need, but it's time to move in. It's time to move into the right place, but you're, but you don't, there's, there's more I need to teach you, but you're not capable of getting it. And how many of you know, there are some things we're just not capable of getting till we move into a relationship. I'm going to get married. I know everything about it. I've read a lot of books. How many of you know books can be pretty sterile? <laughs> they don't figure everything out like this other person is fluid. And so am I. And they don't realize, you know, in a book, how to be the best boss now, that there are fluid situations you move into. Or in ministry, there's a lot of humans that you're connected with who have all kinds of personalities, giftings, bend, you know, a certain way, and desires, and maybe pastors or ministers are worse. You know, I heard one guy say, you know, doing a minister's meeting or working with pastors is like trying to herd cats. That's not maybe a pretty picture, but you get the idea. They're all, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and, you know, it's one thing to herd cattle, it's another thing to herd cats. So realize when the Lord said, hey, I'm going to take you into this land or this new place of ministry, they were not thoroughly prepared. They had the basis for going. But how many of you know, you could sit back and keep preparing without pushing sometimes into the new, and some of what you think you're preparing for, you can't really get it right until you move on. Because how many of you know when you move into that place, what is theory and what is taught in somebody else's story and some other corporate leader's uh, example, uh, when you get in there, you're dealing with a real human, a real uh, business situation, a, a real relationship situation. There's too many variables, a ministry situation. And when you get there, you have the bones to be able to so to speak, or the internal structure to start working with it, but you're going to be learning dynamics you're just not going to get in a class, in a podcast or some online sermon. But how many of you know God doesn't just leave us to our own? He told them, he said, I have many things, and when I depart, I will still and keep instructing you as you move on to this new place. Another thing we need to know about moving into new places, this works with new friends, if you want friends. Obviously, nobody wants new friends. But isn't it true, moving on, having new friends? Because in life, you know, we're going to meet new people, we're going to have new friends, new positions at work, new areas of ministry. Sometimes people's tendency when they move into something new is, I'm the boss now. I'm in charge. And that isn't always the best way to move into a new place. Especially when you're trying to learn and have a learning curve. Here's a, a tip as you move in. A relationship, ministry, new place, 
be nice, be super nice. I heard that ouch. But, but really, sweetness on the lips is huge. Remember, we are to grow sweeter because we're going to grow more like God. Hey man, He is strong. He's dependable, but, but He is compassionate. And thank God He doesn't leave things unspoken. Certain things need to be spoken in every relationship. The Bible said in Proverbs 16, 24, let's turn there. Proverbs 16, 24. And this is so, so important, you know, because how many of us have had good thoughts toward a person, toward a relationship, husband, wife, new relationship, a friend, um, job, ministry, you know, you see somebody working, doing something good, or just a characteristic, and we had the thought, you know, and this could be true in a marriage that's gone for quite a while, and you've had good thoughts, but you never expressed it. It's important to express things and not leave things undone. Now, I understand different people function different, and, you know, some people may need less, but it might not be that they need less verbal stuff. It just may mean they learn to compensate and uh, to do without. But Proverbs 16.24 is, I think, something great as we transition or if we're just in, you know, this works everywhere. Proverbs 16.24 says, Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. You know, we might not use honeycomb today. Back then, they're like, like a real good dessert. Now it can get it. Amen? That's right. Like a good dessert. Sweet, but these, this dessert is sweet to the soul. It does something for the heart, for the emotions. It does something for the individual who, who gets to hear it. And notice it says, and health to the bones. It does something. So if we move into a position, it's good to acknowledge people are doing good things. If we're in a marriage, you know, I appreciate when you do this or whatever it is. Somebody said, well, you know, I just don't verbalize. I grew up in a family that didn't verbalize. And I understand that. But that doesn't mean that your spouse grew up in that family. And it doesn't matter if they grew up in a family that they think they don't need it. Verbalizing things does a lot of stuff. It can cause a person to be grounded. Hey, you're doing a good job today. You've been faithful. I appreciate, you know, that you've been coming to work on time, especially when you see everybody else, and they might be tempted to go, everybody else comes late. I guess I'll join the party too. Amen? In other words, we want to tell people things and not leave some things undone. When they're undone, it, it, it can make things blurry because I don't know the inward counsel of my boss, the owner, the friend, the spouse. 
So when we express things, those words can do something to our soul. So why am I saying be sweet? Hey, if you want friends and want to enhance your relationship with your friends, be careful of your words. Use good words, not harsh words like everybody is required to, to bow to me and look to me. These things help others because, you know, if, if you feed somebody cake, they're going to come back. Hypothetical cake. But sweet words, it does, it's very inviting. And so that's an important thing as you move up. Because I have seen where people are like, I'm the boss now, and hi-ya. Or now I'm in the relationship I don't have to put on, hi-ya. No, we want to stay this way. Another thing we need to do as we move into new areas is be secure. Be sweet, but be secure when you're moving up. You know, Psalm 75, 6 and 7 says, Promotion does not come from the east or the west or the south, but it comes from the Lord. And it talks about how He can put one down and put one up. How many of you know when you move into something, you need to be secure? Uh, like I said, whether it's a, a world a secular job, a relationship, a ministry, you, you can't be threatened. You, you've got to be secure. God is working. And, and that if he brought me here, he didn't bring me here to leave me behind. And that now I'm going to have to fight off all the other Indians that are trying to get my new spot. It, it, that, that type of thing and insecurity can be detrimental to the whole of the promotion or, or the position of leadership because now I'm not going to be inviting to other people because I'm afraid somebody's going to try and take my place. We need to be secure that, that I've been brought into this place. I belong in this place. God will keep me in this place. I don't need to be threatened. Because God will want to bring good people with good ideas to help enhance the thing you've been brought into that will help you. And we can't be threatened by them. Amen. And so being secure is huge. You know, Habakkuk 3.19 has been a scripture that, that has helped me in many ways in my life. It says that God will make our feet like hind's feet or like a deer or a ram or something like that, that we might walk in the high places. In other words, he will equip us to move up into a place and he can equip you to be better in a relationship, a boss. But it's interesting, he said he will do such a work, you know, he'll help you to walk in a high place. And uh, if you've ever been to some of the national parks or different things where they have like mountain goats or rams and seen their skill because of their feet to be able to walk on cliffs and they do it to protect themselves they get into a position where they can run around on stuff stay up high and, and survive and abide there and, it, and it's interesting because I've never been to a national park where they're like, go to this area if you want to see the, the mountain goats and the rams fall off the cliff and everybody's up there. Oh, there went one. Oh, there went one. Oh, another one. 
oh, when you went there, did you go to the place where they all fall down? And oh, it's incredible. I saw like 12. Really? We were there on a bad day. We only saw two. Now, nobody would think like that. We go there because we realize they have some equipment that keeps them there. God will help us. Now, this doesn't mean we're not going to keep growing. We're going to keep learning. That's why we talked about being sweet once we're there. Learn once we're there. But we need to be secure on our way and once we're there. And you may have to fight some thoughts when you first enter in because they may challenge you to be open and inviting for somebody else with good ideas. Be secure. You're the one in the position. You don't have to feel threatened. What if they steal my friend? What if you get a new friend besides that friend? So be secure. Be secure. Be okay. Realize I can stay in this place God's taking me. Another area is be gracious. So realize we're not going to be fully equipped. Realize that as we move on, we need, need to maintain and maybe an increase in sweetness. Be secure. And then this one, be gracious while you wait. This, this can sometimes be challenging for some but it, it's a real good thing to be gracious while you wait. Have grace while you wait. You know, especially if you're like, man, I know God has dealt with me. We're, I'm going to be promoted. You know, it's, it's got to happen. Or, or there's this ministry thing or, or whatever relationship with friends. And then all of a sudden you see someone else get promoted. What about me, God? You told me, be gracious. The Bible said rejoice with those who rejoice. Let them, that other person who found a place, know you're happy for them. Because it guards your own heart from being judgmental and, and thinking, what's going on, God? Realize God's not slack concerning His promise. So be gracious and realize your day is in the works. Be gracious. Rejoice with them. Let the people know, man, I'm glad for you. Even if you're like, I thought that was my job. God's got a job for you. I thought that was my position. And maybe it is, and maybe that person will be gone in a month and you'll enter into that. I don't know. But I do know that being gracious helps protect us so that on our way, we don't get embittered and then we show up into our place with an unsweet taste in our mouth. And here's the last one. Are you ready? Everybody okay? Because God has good things for us. We're going to turn to a verse we've read before. This verse to me is so awesome. Jeremiah, and some of you might go, I know that verse, and we haven't even turned there yet. But Jeremiah talks about, and it's an often uh, quoted, quoted verse, and, um, but 
the reason why I wanted to look at this today and it seemed like a good thing is to read it in its context or look at this verse in its context. Because if there's anything you need as you're traveling in life, it's hope. It's hope. You know, Bible hope is literally this. It's a positive, Godward expectation given by God and through God. And God, by the power of the Spirit, the Bible said, He wants you to abound in that. And so, He wants us to abound, but in life and dealing with people and hearing things from people, some people will let hope go. Maybe their, their position hasn't appeared as quick as they thought, or, you know, a relationship didn't go the way you thought, or a job didn't, or ministry, or whatever it is. You can't lose hope. And sometimes people lose hope because they feel like they just haven't been perfect enough to walk in something that God would have them walk in. That's why I love this verse in Jeremiah 29. Most of us probably can quote it, verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Says the Lord. You notice what it didn't say. Notice what it didn't say. Notice what it said. Notice what it didn't say. I know the thoughts I think toward you. Notice it didn't say, you always know the thoughts I think toward you. But in case you don't know the thoughts I think toward you, I'm going to tell you the thoughts I think toward you. Isn't that good? I mean, if you have a relationship with somebody, a husband and wife, you know the thoughts you think towards your wife your husband, but they may not. And they might be just full of rich, good thoughts or toward your children and they're really good thoughts and rich thoughts. Somebody else can have the same exact thoughts that you have and have more of a positive effect on their kid only because they tell their kid. Not that they love them more and truth be told, you may have more positive thoughts than they do. But the difference is, is giving those. And isn't it cool that God said, I know the thoughts I think toward you, and I'm just so happy. Or he didn't even tell us that. But aren't you glad he said thoughts of peace? So, so I want you to know I'm thinking thoughts of peace about you, and thoughts that are not evil. Oh, you mean he's not going to squash me after all? To give you a future and to give you a hope or a positive end or a positive outcome. Those are the thoughts God's thinking to you. Now, in the context here, the reason I love this so much is because of the context of the story. Like I said, thoughts unspoken can lead to speculation or to try to discover things on your own. And what's so cool is God, the way he tells stories, he doesn't leave things undone. Sometimes the reason they're undone, we just haven't 
looked. But in discovering some things, it can really be helpful because, you know, we're talking about entering into the new, and you could say, yeah, I, I, I uh, don't know everything. You know, I qualify. But I have been growing. I, I, I could tell he's been, and, and I have a sense we're entering. and We are. I am entering into something better. We can know, man, I've been, I'm not, I'm not as sweet as I could be, but I'm sure not the lemon drop I used to be. So, so I'm headed the right direction. You know, I'm, I'm getting more secure. I'm not, I'm not as unstable in that area. And you can go through all these things about, you know, being gracious and man, I'm meeting all these. And then, then, but I've been doing some stupid stuff. I've done some dumb stuff. Ugh. And that's why I like Jeremiah 29, 11. If you read the context, the children of Israel had been royally messing up. To the point, they were now displaced from their land. And God had told them, don't do these things. Don't do these things. If you do them, you're going to mess things up. You're going to get displaced. You're going to open the door to the enemy. And what's so cool is, that happened. Not, it's not cool that it happened. But it's cool what God said. He, he said, because you've gone astray and really turned away from me. He said, now you're driven out of your land. But it's real wild. He said, but I'm going to prosper you there. Get lands. Get houses. Get established. I'm going to do some good stuff in your life. That's actually the context before this. And I'm thinking good thoughts of you. You got yourself into this, but I want to let you know how I'm thinking about it. And I'm going to bless you there, so start working within this. And then he even gave him a promise in the next verse. He said, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and you'll be found by me. Think about it. They're not even seeking him with their own whole heart. They're not even following his plans and his purposes like they should. And God's like, I'm going to still bless you. But when you do turn toward me, then you're going to see something even bigger. So when people um, maybe are thinking, hey, I'm going to enter into something bigger and better, but I just haven't been totally perfect, God's still going to work with you. How many of you know it's better for him to work with you when we're doing the right thing? And doing the right things can enhance it. But they don't always disqualify things. So God's about trying to give people hope so he can put a big picture up there and help us to move in. That's one reason why I like these verses because of the context of how God was still going to do good and help them. And you know, he'll do the same for us.